0: Welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life. And even though most of us don't really think about it very often, one of the most important aspects of our life is what we believe about God, what we believe about God, what we believe about Scripture, what we believe about ourselves, um, and that informs and influences the way that we live our life so we have a segment on the podcast called theology for everyone where we're trying to turn up the intensity in our church turn turn housewives into sheologians okay she- we're trying to turn we're trying to turn carpenters into theologians right we, we want we want strong um, theological backbones in all of the people at sacred City church and so we're hope hopefully we can help you do that today Um, as we study chapter 20 of the Westminster Confession of Faith of Christian Liberty and Liberty of Conscience. And today on the podcast, I've got three dudes with me. You want to introduce yourself, guys?
1: Yeah, I'll start. Uh, This is Rob Spextra, pastor of Discipleship. How's it going, guys? I'm Alex Tate, uh, Sacred City Youth Director. And this is Kevin Knorr, pastoral
2: assistant.
0: And Alex uh, Tate informed us that he's not wearing sweatpants today. He's
2: wearing joggers. Yeah. (laughs) It's all about the style, baby. (laughs) I
0: said, I said, aren't they sweatpants? Well, they're more stylish than sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are on chapter twenty of Christian Liberty, and now why are we talking about Christian Liberty? We just finished up talking about what?
1: You we have the remember? law. Yeah, the law. The law. Yeah,
0: and many people think that the law is something that stifles them. Mm. And right. the Westminster, and and we talked about how you can fall off the right side of the horse, or fall off the left side of the horse, right? You could fall off into legalism, mm-hmm. and you could fall off into um, antinomianism or licentiousness, and not really want the law. Well, so the Westminster Divines, they're they're pastors, they're theologians, and so they know. Mm-hmm. We just we just taught on the law. What do we want to? What's the next chapter? Christian liberty. Yeah. That the law of God is like. A, a fence it's like a it's like a wall that's built up around a city yep. that it's meant to protect us from certain things but inside the city there's there's a certain amount of liberty inside the fence there's some certain liberties right and we should never tear down a law tear down a fence unless we know why it was put there to begin with we might get in a lot of trouble so <clears throat> kevin can you go ahead and, and start reading now this is a long paragraph and you guys are probably getting used to me saying that it's a long paragraph. I'm going to let him read it all the way through in its entirety, and then we're just going to go sentence by sentence, statement by statement, and uh, and break that down. Go
3: ahead, Jeff. Article 1. The liberty which Christ hath purchased for believers under the gospel consists in their freedom from the guilt of sin and condemning wrath of God, the curse of the moral law, and in their being delivered from this present evil world, bondage to Satan, and domain of sin. From Dominion. the evil... Dominion of sin. Dominion. Good grief. Yep, that's all right. Hmm. Dominion of sin, from the evil of afflictions, the sting of death, the victory of the grave, and everlasting damnation, as also in their free access to God and their yielding obedience unto him, not out of slavish fear, but a childlike love and willing mind, hmm. all which were common also to believers under the law, but... Under the New Testament, the liberty of Christians is further enlarged in their freedom from the yoke of the ceremonial law to which the Jewish church was subjected, and in greater boldness of access to the throne of grace and in fuller communications of the free spirit of God than believers under the law did ordinarily partake of.
0: Okay. (laughs) They were very wordy, right? (laughs) They were very wordy. But... When you're talking about liberty, Christian liberty and the liberty of conscience, there's a, lo- there's a lot there. There's a lot of scriptures that they're trying to pull together that, that, that God gives us a certain freedom in the gospel. And what does that freedom look like? Well, you're going to see, let's just say, two main categories in this, um, in this chapter here. A freedom from certain things and then a freedom for certain things. Okay, so first, let's look at the freedom from. It says, "The liberty which Christ, Christ hath purchased for believers under the gospel consists in their freedom from the guilt of sin." Okay, so we're we're condemned under the law as sinners, but through Christ we are. Uh, he purchased our salvation, and He gives us freedom from that guilt that, that would condemn us, right? From yep. that guilt. So we get a f- we're free from guilt. Good news, right? Yeah, yeah. great news. <laughs> we are free from the condemning wrath of God. Good news, right? We are free from the curse of the moral law. Now, we've just spent a lot of time talking about that. We don't need to go to that scripture. So anyone who breaks the law uh, is, brings a curse upon themselves. we're free from that curse. We're free from, we're delivered from this present evil world. We're free from bondage to Satan. So we were bound to him in our our sin. Mm -hmm. We are free from the dominion of sin. So we are no longer slaves of sin. Mm -hmm. We've been freed from sin. We are free from the evil of affliction. So the afflictions that come as a result of our sin, the evil that would come as a result of our sin, we're free from those as well. Yeah. We're free from <laughs> the sting of death, right? Death no longer has power over us because when we die, we open our eyes in glory with, yeah. our, sal- with our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're free from the victory of the grave. The grave does that hold us we have everlasting life with him and we're free from everlasting damnation mm. that is judgment and hell yep. right so we've been given liberty through the gospel all of those things we've been given, we've been freed from all of those things we need to be reminded of that often
2: right so when you say like free from sin can you can you break that down a little bit cuz we we sin every day so what okay. does that look like yeah i
0: didn't say free from sin I said freed from slavery to sin. Okay. Yes. We still sin, but we are no longer a slave to sin. We have the power to resist sin now. Yeah. We have the power to, to, to say no to sin. Um, God has freed us from that, from that slavery, mm-hmm. right? We are no longer under our master, the devil, anymore. We have a new master, Jesus Christ, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, and I think Romans uh, six twelve he says, "Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions, mm-hmm. and do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought who have been brought from death to life, yeah. and in members of God as instruments for righteousness." And so, the the point Paul's making there, he's making the assumption is you now, because you are in Christ, have that freedom. We don't we have the freedom to make that choice of no longer presenting. Our uh, our bodies, our mortal bodies, to sin, and that's uh, that's good news for us. So, yeah,
0: absolutely. So we are we've been given through Christ, Christ. So think of it we were we were slaves to the devil, right? Yeah. We were slaves to our flesh, we were slaves to sin, and Christ has purchased us, purchased us, brought us in, and now we are no longer slaves to the devil, or or to sin. We are now slaves to. God, slaves mm-hmm. to Christ, servants of God. We're, we're, so we have been freed from all of those negative repercussions. But this is where most people, they stop there. Most people mm. think just about, getting, I, I want to get rid of this guilt. I want to get rid of this sin. I want to live forever. I want you know all of the negative repercussions of the fall. I want to get rid of all of those things. Yeah. And we don't know that we we have been given freedom for mm. some things. So you're not a slave of the devil anymore so that you can be obedient to Christ yeah. now, right? So let's, that's, where, that's where they go next. As also in their free access to God. So here we go. We, we are free for our access to God. So now the way of God has been open to us and that we can go into his presence, Right, yeah. we've been go into His presence. Think of think of Hebrews there, right? That we want to approach the throne of grace with bold with boldness. Now yeah. we've been given free access through Christ to know God. What is that? You what is that scripture
3: there? Yeah, that's uh, Romans it? five. Romans
0: five one, one and two.
2: Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace, which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God.
0: Awesome. So, John Calvin, I just read this. John Calvin said that we don't get grace through our liberty, but we get liberty through grace.
1: Hmm. Okay. Sure.
0: So, yeah. so we don't have, so, in one sense, we all we every human has, you could say, a free will in the sense that they, that they, hmm. they can choose. Yeah. They they have their choices really matter. But every human being is born a slave of sin, so they don't have liberty. Hmm. So they they wanted to make this separation between free will and liberty. Yeah, you have free will, you can choose, but you don't have liberty because you're a slave of the devil. So through your free will, you could never obtain grace. You needed grace to free your, to give you liberty, right? To give you actually liberty, now to free you from sin. So now you can actually choose God. Yeah. Now you can actually obey the law. Okay?
3: That's so backwards from the way we look at it, isn't it? Because we look at, or not not we, but people outside the faith tend to look at it the opposite way where they say, well, then I have to follow all these rules, not realizing that they're already captive to sin, mm-hmm. and they're just missing that that broader piece. Yeah, yeah. We
1: think that we're born into this world thinking that somehow we're, we're free to do whatever we want to, and actually we're not. We're only free to do according to the nature that we are born with, and we're born with a fallen nature. Mm. So no one's free in that, in regard if they can do anything they want. We're only free to the level of who we are, what nature we have. And so, yeah, um, born into this world, we are enslaved to our sinful nature. We, are, we have a slave master, and that is Satan himself. And yeah. uh, we are not free just to do whatever we want to do. It's God who frees us to... Chase after what is truly good, in, and and yep. you know it's going to be a blessing to our lives. So, in other words, he gives us a new nature that gives us the ability to do what we couldn't do before. That's yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: that's good. Okay, so we we have, we're free for our access to God. We're free for our yielding obedience unto Him. So, hmm. we grace. You know, Jesus Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, yeah. right? And Christianity is a burden in the sense like wings are a burden to a bird, huh. okay? So when we come to Christ, God gives us a new ability to now obey God, right? Yeah. And, and this is what we want. This is the good life. This is a moral life. This is an upright life, you know?
2: Some may ask, like, so what's the difference between someone that's a Christian and obeys God, but then some people that are not Christians, but they still actually obey better than the Christians do?
0: Yeah. um, Theoretically, we could say that's possibly possible, maybe, for a little while. (laughs) Because if a Christian is really a Christian, they're going to obey God. Many people can come to faith and, or I mean, come to church or believe, you know, say they believe something and then not really live it out. But for most people, um, it's going to be evident: one person believes, one person believes and obeys God, and one person doesn't believe and doesn't obey God. Can a non-Christian be a moral person? Absolutely. Can they obey the? Let's just say, can they obey? uh, What is it? Six out of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, they could. Maybe they can obey six out of the ten commandments. Possibly better than some Christians, but they obviously can't obey the first commandment. They can't obey the second commandment. They can't obey the third commandment. Can't obey the fourth
2: commandment. Right. So is that the piece of like where like common grace comes? Sure, okay. hundred yeah. percent.
0: Yeah, and the, and God's common grace is restraining the evil in their own heart and enabling them to be decent human beings. Yeah. You know, like we hundred um, percent believe that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> Was that? I'm just curious. That illustration that you had there of the the bird uh, and the wings. Is that something you found? You just thought of, or is it, no, that, that's amazing. I've that's, heard it before, but I've never I, heard of that it before. It might have been
0: Spurgeon. It might have been Spurgeon or yeah, somebody.
1: It's a great picture. Uh, you know, it's a it's a wonderful picture. Everybody wants to fly, you know, and to think that that's a burden. Sure, it is a burden to a <laughs> to the bird to have these wings, but it's the burden to to fly and be what they've always wanted to be. That's that's pretty amazing. So yeah, I appreciate it, it that. It was something like was good.
0: It, it was. I might have been Spurgeon.
1: Yeah, it was sounds something, like a Spurgeon illustration. <laughs> like, <laughs> like
0: the law tells me to run, something like the law tells me to run, yeah. and I'm, and it's never done, and it's never, and it's something like the gospel gives me wings and yeah. it tells me to something, it's something along those lines, and that's you know, and, and that's it, it enables us to do something we could not do before.
1: Yeah, right. It's and that's a great picture
0: to love God, to obey God.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: right, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Like we we weren't enabled to do that before. Yeah. Um okay, so it frees us to obey Jesus. And here look at listen to this. Not out of slavish fear. Hmm. So there's there's some people that if they don't understand the gospel or if they're under the law in, in a negative sense, they're only obeying God because they're afraid of punishment. They're they're afraid of him in that way.
2: Yeah.
0: Not and we fear God, but not in slavish fear. We fear God like our heavenly Father. Yeah. Like we don't want we don't want to we don't want his countenance To be, you know, to show displeasure. We don't want to. We want to please him because he's our loving heavenly Father. Yeah. Right. But a childlike love and a willing mind. Mm -hmm. So this is again something the Spirit has done in us. It's made us love God as our Father, and submit our wills to Him, Mm -hmm. submit our mind to Him, like Romans uh, twelve one. Yeah, Romans one twelve one and two. Right. We're submitting our bodies up to the Lord, and we're wanting him to transform the way that we're thinking, to think his thoughts after him. And
1: I think that that phrase helps maybe to get back to what Alex's question earlier was before. Is it possible for someone who, you know, doesn't follow, doesn't love God, doesn't, uh, isn't claiming Christ in any way, is it possible for them to be moral? Yes, it's possible for them to be moral, but are they doing out of a childlike love for God no, they're not. Uh, there's probably no acknowledgement of God in that context at all. Or if there is an acknowledgement, it may be under one, slavish fear, or it just may be indifference. And yeah, God exists, but you know, I'm just being a good person today, kind of a feel yep. to it. Whereas what the the divines are trying to help us to see, and what God's word is helping us to see, is that this is a this is out of a of a, a relationship. This is out of a, a covenantal relationship of love towards towards the, towards the God towards the Father, which is so much different than just simple okay, I got to do it, got to kind of, yeah. you know, screw up my uh, myself and get going and do the right thing right now. Uh, this is out of just a love for God. So there's the motivation yeah. here.
0: Unbelievers would obey God in the sense that we obey the IRS when we pay yeah.
1: taxes. <laughs> yes, you know, right. Oh, oh, here we go. But I'm looking for any loophole, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. any <laughs> loophole sure. I'm looking for, you know. I'm, I'm not going to give you one dime more than I have to give you, right?
1: Um, now, this next
0: sentence is interesting. It says, all which were common also to believers under the law. This should change the way we understand the Old Testament. He's saying, this freedom that we've gotten here, this freedom from the bondage to sin and freedom for obedience to God, the Old Testament believers had it too. Hmm. Abraham Abraham had it, Moses had it. You don't see Abraham, Hmm. Moses, Daniel, David, gritting their teeth when they're obeying God. You see them loving God. You see them willfully submitting their, their, I mean, they sin, they still sin, but you see them, you know, cheerfully obeying God, Mm. right? Confidently obeying God. And so this idea that everybody under the old Testament were kind of like, it was like being under, um, Sharia law or something. That's not the, that's not the case. When we get to the New Testament and the the Pharisees and the Sadducees of Jesus' day, they had twisted the moral law and it had become something that it it, it originally wasn't. (laughs) You know, straining the gnat and swallowing the camel type of of religion. But there is something different between the New Covenant and the Old Covenant. It says this, but under the New Testament, the liberty of Christians is further enlarged in their freedom from the yoke of the ceremonial law to which the Jewish church was subjected so again we should remember what the ceremonial law is it's all of the the dietary laws and restrictions it's all of the weird clothing restrictions as far as multiple fabrics it's exactly what you have to do you know when you've sinned you have to kill an animal or present animals before the priest it's the 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 law of the atonement uh, day of atonement once a year where the priest the high priest goes in Um, am I missing anything else all all of the weird washings and
2: sacrifices
0: sacrifices and labors and all that kind of stuff all of that has been removed from us because why Christ because Jesus is all he's the fulfillment of all of those things (laughs) so in that sense our liberty has been increased from the Old Testament believer. Yeah. And in greater boldness of access to the throne of grace. We've
3: got a text for that one. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. <laughs> Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Boom,
0: he's opened up a new way, a new and living way. He's given us access. So we, what do we do? We, we should draw near. Mm-hmm. That yeah, Christ.
1: you think about the Old Testament, uh, you know, they it was only one individual who could go into the holy of holies once a year. That was that was as close of an access as anybody had to God. And then when that when Christ said it is finished, you know, we see that picture of the of the veil being torn from the top down there in the in the temple, the entrance or the access. And then that passage there that you just read for us Kevin is this idea that we all get to step into the holy of holies as a result of the work and death, shedding of blood of Jesus Christ on our behalf. That's pretty amazing. I mean, if we had that contrast, if we yeah. had one day, one day being this kind of one this way of access, and the next day, you know, the way through Christ, it's it's huge. And it, it's interesting.
0: also the word boldness. We've been given a greater hmm. boldness because yeah. think. I mean, I know there, there's some Jewish history that says that that high priest. Would walk in there with a rope around his ankle, <laughs> yeah, just, to drag him just, out
1: to drag him, out. <laughs> just in
0: case that he had not, cl- you yeah. know, purified himself and he in, in his sinfulness touched, <laughs> did pull the Uza right? Was it Uza or Uzziah who touched the yeah, yeah. who yeah. touched the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and boom, dropped dead. Yeah. just in case that happened when he got inside there, they could pull him out without yeah. anybody else going in there. <laughs> so he didn't go in there with very much boldness. Yeah. He probably went in there with fear and trepidation and, oh, boy, I hope I did everything right. Right. Well, we don't have to worry Mm -hmm. about that. Why? Because Jesus is our perfect righteousness. He is the one who purified us perfectly. And so now, though our sins were like scarlet, they're white as snow. So we can actually approach God just like our kids approach us. Just run up in and jump up in our lap. We can can approach God like that. That's good. And in fuller communications of the free spirit of God. So in the Old Testament, uh, God could speak to anybody he wanted to. He, we saw this week he stirred the spirit of Cyrus and he stirred the spirit of men, um, the, the patriarchs, But and he spoke through prophets, but the spirit wasn't given to every single person in the, or every single believer in the way it, it was today, yep. in the way it is today. And so now we have the spirit of God living on the inside of us that speaks to our spirit, that reminds us of the word of God, convicts us of sins, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, free spirit of God, then believers under the law did ordinarily partake of. So, the the big point from that first chapter is we're free from certain things by the gospel and we're free for certain things, right? We've got to hold those two things together. All right, second article.
3: Kevin, you want to read it? God alone is Lord of the conscience and has left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men which are in anything contrary to his word or beside it if matters of faith or worship, so that to believe such doctrines or to obey such commands out of conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience and the requiring of an implicit faith and an absolute and blind obedience is to destroy liberty of conscience and reason also.
0: Okay, this is kind of complicated. But I wish I would have just read this to our church like two years ago and talked on it when right when COVID hit. Remember, this is we're coming out of the Reformation, and remember what Martin Luther said um, when he was called to recant. He said, "It is I'm, I'm paraphrasing now off the top of my head." But he says, unless I can be convinced by scripture and pure reason, it is not good for a man to go against his conscience, and I w- I refuse to recant, okay? And so he was calling the pope and saying, if you can show me in scripture where popes are infallible and, de- and these decrees are infallible, fallible, then I will recant. But I will not recant because I think scripture teaches something totally different. My conscience is held to the word of God, Right? So they're, they're thinking about that. They're thinking about that. And they're like, okay, the law is binding. There's liberty for a Christian. But there's this temptation to have outside laws yep. from church councils, from popes, from governors, from all these other people to make the, for those things to hold captive the conscience of a Christian.
2: Okay. So I just got a question. I, I feel like uh, maybe we've talked about it before, but um, in my mind I can't, like, break the two down. Like, between conscience and feeling.
3: Can okay. you,
2: can you, can you Can you speak to that a little bit? Because feelings yeah. always get in the way, and that's something that we speak against. But conscience is something, of course, the scripture talks about is yeah. go off your conscience. Yep. Right?
0: Okay. So first off, let me clarify. I think It's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Feelings don't always get in the way. Feelings can be appropriate. Feelings can go off though, right? Because Scripture talks about feelings are given by you know from God. Psalms full of feelings, but what is conscience? Your conscience is um, given to you by God. Given to every single person uh, by God, and it's meant to um, convict us of unrighteousness and convince us of righteousness. Yeah. Okay. So, Adam had a perfect conscience. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ever since then, then, we have an imperfect conscience. So, our, so so you're right. Feelings can be wrong, and guess what? So can our conscience. Mm-hmm. The, the Bible talks about having a seared conscience. We know that if you sin one way and you keep sinning in that way, it doesn't feel like sin anymore for a lot of people. And you've seared your conscience. So your conscience actually lies. Sometimes if you were raised in a certain culture that said it's okay to beat women and you beat women, you might not have any, you might not think that it's, that it's wrong. So, a con- but our conscience must be held captive to the word of God, right?
2: So your conscience should line up with scripture.
0: Yes, and it, and it requires faith and repentance to do that. We have to know scripture and we have to repent for ways that our conscience doesn't. So there's people that believe abortion is good, Right. If they come to faith believing abortion is good, they're going to have to, to understand what the Bible te- teaches about life and life in the womb and everybody made in the I- image of God. And they're go- their conscience is going to have to be reshaped according to the Word of God to be governed by the Word of God. Okay? And, there, and it goes in the opposite direction too. One specific example for me, I was raised to, to believe that alcohol was the devil's juice. Right, it was just a sin to drink alcohol.
2: Some good juice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jesus made the best, right? (laughs) And then I'm reading the Bible for myself, and I keep coming across this stuff about wine and Jesus turning water into wine, and this stuff about strong drink in the Old Testament. And if you're feeling a little sick, Paul tells uh, Timothy, Timothy, Mm -hmm. have a little (laughs) wine for your stomach. And God gives gives wine to gladden the heart of man. I'm like, what is this? My conscience needed to be reshaped according to the word of god okay
1: an illustration i've heard is is our conscience is like a, a window pane or a, a glass of window or glass in a window <laughs> anyway uh, so you have the light the light can come in only as clean as the conscience is and the dirtier that window the dirtier that window pane is the less light gets in and so, in one sense, God, by His common grace, has given us His truth. You know, it's but we can we kind of know what's right and wrong just purely by what uh, uh, by the by His common grace. And yet, if that window pane, if that window gets dirty and dirtier and dirtier, it's more and more difficult for that light to come in and really move an individual, uh, you know, according to that light on the outside. So, so it, it helps me a little bit uh, in the sense that um, the Spirit can clean that. That clean that window for us, so that we can see clearly. And he does that, and we come to faith in Christ. But we can still, even as believers, we can still, you know, if we're not walking with God, that conscience can start to become, you know, dirty and clean. You know, we need yeah. to keep it, keep it clean. Always. So that fi- kind of helps yeah. me yeah, kind of understand. So this. feelings
2: and conscience, as long as they're lining up with Scripture, are, are valid.
0: Right? Yeah, right? yeah, but and yes, but feelings are just part, natural part of being human. As far as. How I'm like fear, anger—all these different things are feelings, right? They don't necessarily tell us what's true, what's good, what's right, mm-hmm. right? But our conscience is meant to tell us what is good, what is right, mm-hmm. and what is what is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so, this is another common grace that God has written this on, and in one sense, in every human heart. So, yep. you know, most human beings know. Implicitly, that murder is bad.
1: Yeah,
0: you know that stealing is wrong, right? Now there have been some cultures that you know practiced child sacrifice and did these things, and that's because their that window pane was really dark, mm-hmm. you know, and they they gave themselves over to sin, and the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and 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 ruin their ruin their existence, right? Yeah. So God alone is Lord of the conscience. That's what we have to begin with. Mm. God can God can speak to anybody and tell them. Uh, what's right and what's wrong. You know, he doesn't have to save them to do that. He says this, and he hath let it free the conscience from the doctrines and commandments of men, which are in anything contrary to his word. Okay. So our conscience is only bound to the word of God. If someone comes in and says, you must do this, and it's contrary to the word of God. We are to, we are to obey God and disobey man. Yeah, that's what they're saying, right? So if a pope tells you to do something that the Bible doesn't say, you say nope. I don't obey popes. I obey God. Yeah. If your parent tells you that, if your boss tells you to that, if you you know whatever, any person, if your pastor tells you that and it's contrary to Scripture, you say nope. I obey God, not Scripture. Now this is interesting because they say anything contrary to word to the word, or beside it, in matters of faith or worship, mm. or beside it, in matters of faith for work or worship. So they're saying popes, specifically the Catholic Church here, like to add things to scripture and make it equal to scripture, yeah. which they called it the, their traditions. So, you know, you have a lot of Stuff in the Catholic Church, you have what is it? Seven sacraments, right? You have Mm -hmm. seven sacraments, and not just two. You've got lots of smells and bells. You've got confession to the priest. You've got um, all kinds of different things that they're adding to Scripture, right? And and they're saying you're no, it's not saying that those things are necessarily bad, right? But if if I, but those things are not equal to Scripture. And, no, and nor, and if my conscience is, if God says to me, that's not biblical. You shouldn't do that, or that's you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. Then I should obey my conscience and the Word of God, not the yeah. Pope or the or the priest. Yeah. Okay. So that to believe such doctrines, or to obey such commands, out of conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience. <laughs> That's a complicated sentence here. So let me, let me go on and read the next sentence, or the next part. To obey such commands out of conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience and the requiring of an implicit faith and in an absolute and blind obedience is to destroy liberty of conscience and reason also. Mm-hmm. So it's like this. It's like this. If you check your brain at the door, and you check your conscience at the door, and you walk into the church, and the Pope tells you everything you need to believe, and you just have an implicit faith, you just trust him, No, I don't care, I don't need to see it in Scripture, I don't need to be proven. By reason, I accept it. It's to deny, Is to betray true liberty of conscience. Now listen. Think about now. It's not just popes. Think about how many of us have done that with the government. When the government com- with anybody, that co- the government comes out and says, with with COVID vaccines, you need everybody needs to go get this get this COVID vaccine. Now, I'm not saying to get the COVID vaccine is to necessarily betray your confidence, your conscience. But if you did it without researching it, if you did it without study, if you did it without checking scripture. If you did it without talking to your pastor, you might have betrayed true liberty of conscience yeah. and reason also. It's interesting here that they're throwing reason yeah, in there as well. It is, yeah. God does not want us to check our brain at the door. Yeah. He doesn't want us to trust everything the government tells us, trust anything our boss tells us, trust anything our pastor tells us. This is why at Sacred City, we try to base everything that we're doing. We try to base it in the word of God and go back to like either first principles or direct scriptures and say, this is why we're making this decision and and if we can't do that then that issue is is there's liberty there there's mm-hmm. there's freedom we've we've said it there's open-handed that's an open-handed issue yep. right where people are free to they're free to, we're free to disagree and a person must obey their conscience mm-hmm. right they must obey their conscience
1: yeah I was just thinking about uh, and I was reading here in Acts 17 when uh Uh, the Burians, Paul. So here we have Paul, an apostle. You you would think, okay, just listen to whatever he has to say and that's it. But it actually says there that when he came into town, uh, what they did is that they uh, they, uh, examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So Paul would preach and then the Bereans they would say, "Okay, let's see if the scriptures say that," you know. And okay. and so they were not going to just take Paul for his word. They were looking at the word of God and they had the word the only word of God they had was the Old Testament. So it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah. And he's shining a new light. He's yes. he's he's giving them a new hermeneutic, a new way to interpret and understand the Old Testament. And they like it, but they're like, "Hold on. We let's go back and study those scriptures to make sure it's accurate." Yeah. yeah. They, they weren't, they didn't have an, I love this word, an implicit faith yeah. in man. Right. We can't have an implicit faith in man. We have, now this, this is not to say we need to become, you know, skeptics and doubt every, you know, you come in and you, you got a scowl on your face and you doubt everything that the, that the pastor says, you doubt everything the government says, but we should use reason, and our faith or and the the scriptures and filter everything through is this reasonable? does this make logical sense? does the science really back this up? is this what the constitution says? is this in line with scripture? right? and where is my conscience at in the midst of this? okay now there is there are a lot of there's a lot of ways we've already talked about this that our conscience can go bad So our conscience is not the Holy Spirit. Our conscience is not a final authority or final arbiter. The Bible doesn't just give us a conscience. It gives us leaders, pastors, elders, and it gives us other church members that we're accountable to because scripture teaches that there's wisdom in many counselors, right? And the elders are, are meant to study the scriptures and know the scriptures. Um, and so the, the elders are going to have some insight in some things that maybe you've never thought about before. And so when you you need, and every single person, that's why you need an elder. You need somebody that you can submit under. And you need church members so that when your conscience goes awry, they can say, actually, I think that you're missing it here. Because examples that your conscience goes awry. In your marriage, you think you're right, right? And she thinks she's right. Somebody's conscience is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's off here, right? You need somebody to look into that with, with um, a different perspective and give you, uh, and help you on it. The other thing is, every single culture, because there is no purely Christian culture, every culture is going to dull your conscience in certain ways, and i was just thinking on the way over here i was thinking about something and, and i was thinking about how this is going to be weird but how our culture has kind of dulled us to the sin of of gluttony to the sin yeah. of just oh, sure. o- just overeating like we we how many how many people really think that they are, they've sinned by eating too much right and then not just eating but obviously drinking too much sleeping too just overindulgence in 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 everything
1: in our comforts yeah, yeah.
0: And, no. and I know I've never preached a sermon on gluttony, you know, and <laughs> I've never, you know, so, so it's so, but we need, we need, um, we need the word of God to shape our conscience around it or we'll be misshaped. Our conscience will misshape another one, it's the sexualized nature of our society. Mm. I've had so many young people tell me that they were sleeping with their girlfriend or their fiance because they were married in their hearts. And I'm like Bud. There's no such thing as being married in your hearts. <laughs> that is, and, it, and it, this is a sin. This is a sin that you have to turn from. You know, um, there's. I mean, immodesty, right? Immodesty in our in our culture today. Uh, that's that's a sin that that we probably might not be aware of. Um, skepticism, even mm. like distrusting our pastors, distrusting our elders, assuming they've got negative motives all the time. Um, that that can be. Um, a common way our conscience goes right Mm -hmm. here's one uh not believing that we should keep the sabbath day holy anymore not Mm. believing that we that that we should go to church Mm. we don't really care that our kids have sports every single sunday we can just we can just go do that anybody got any other ones that that you're thinking of like any off the top of your head that things that just kind of our culture would say they're totally normal totally natural and
1: Yeah, I think that we we think that the way that we look at time uh, in in the United States is is that it's a resource that is can't be wasted, and you always got to be working, you always got to be pushing, you always got to be producing. Uh, That's uh, that's just our culture. You know, there's many cultures where time is kind of you know it's relationships are much more important. Uh, Another one would be individualism. Individualism is huge in our country, and if you go to many other countries, other cultures. They have a much more cooperative, much more community-oriented kind of a feel to thing. So we, you know, we kind of look askance at, uh, you know, hey, it's all about the best individual. It's all about the, you know, the guy who can do the best and work the hardest. is should be at the top? And you know, that's not always that's not always true. Uh, yeah. So there's things like that.
0: So we say all that because you can't be Martin Luther and just say, well, my conscience says it's fine. Yeah. Martin Luther could do that because he was standing on the Word of God, and he was willing to say, if you can prove to me by Scripture in plain reason that, that I'm in the wrong, I'll change my conscience. Yep. I'll repent. Yep. But they couldn't. So you can't, we can't just live based on our conscience. Our conscience has to be captive to the Word of God and be, like we have said before, reformed and always, always reformed. reforming. Always yep. reforming. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the first two chapters of, or first two articles in Chapter 20. Um, on liberty of conscience and Christian conscience. Hopefully that was beneficial for you. If you guys got any questions, email me at citychurch.com. Also, give us a like. Give us a share. Pass this on to your friend, to your family members, that, that if you think that they would, be ben- they would benefit from it. And we love you. We pray for you. And we hope to talk to you soon. God bless you.